Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. After three weeks off and millions of COVID cases in the French camp, Scotland are actually going to get to play a game of rugby in the Six Nations this weekend, welcoming Ireland to Fortress sold-out BT Murrayfield. It's David, Matt and Alan with you to talk you through everything as we lead up to that big game and all the news in Scottish rugby this week. Alan, how are you feeling about the weekend? Hey, yeah, excited for the match, although just annoyed that it's on a Sunday. I feel like the Sunday match just doesn't give you the complete like license to get like quite pissed that the sort of Saturday match kind of does. Is that what you normally do? Get really, I, really pissed on the Saturday watching the rugby? Normally, like, I'm talking, maybe talking like three or four cans and then maybe like a glass of wine. <laughs> like my, my good level that I like to like enter the rugby match at, if possible. Oh, you, oh, that's, at, oh that's pre-game. Oh, right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so when Scotland play Italy on the last day, which is like a two PM kickoff, what time are you opening that first can? It's just a real, yeah, just a real early can, warm can of tea. Just sort of roll. I'll put sort of Freya down for a nap, and then just roll to the side and just get like a warm can of tea next to the bed. <laughs> and then just chucking in the, the, a little glass of red to settle your nerves just before kickoff. For <laughs> Italy, you know. Lovely, Matt. How are you feeling about it all? Yeah, pretty good. Right, riding high off uh, Glasgow, defeating the mighty Zebra. Um, bonus point, my, baby. Bonus point. I did find myself like when I saw the result, I was like, "Yeah, that's class." And then I was like, "What well, am I? Is is that's what we've been sort of consigned to with with Glasgow, taking a Zebra win as sort of sign of progress." 
Yes, it has been a very challenging um, year for the pro supporter, but there has been some good news coming out of Glasgow and Edinburgh this week on signings, which we'll come on to talk about, as well as some other bits and pieces of news before getting into our preview of the Ireland game. Just a quick reminder of where you can find us on Twitter. That's at Thistle Rugby Pod on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. Our weekly newsletter is on Substack, the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. And you can send us an email at the Thistle Rugby at gmail.com. And as ever, we are absolutely delighted to bring you all this fantastic Scottish rugby content in association with Rob Mack. Whilst they may no longer be our undefeated sponsors, um, we are delighted to be continuing to work with them throughout the Six Nations. They are an independent financial advisor specializing in mortgage management, financial planning, and investments. So if you need any of those things, you can check them out at robmac.co.uk. Thank you very much to them. So should we dive straight into a bit of news? And then um, we'll start with Glasgow um, adding, I think they're, Eighth Argentinian that they have ever had in Glasgow ranks, fly half Domingo Miotti, who's joining from the Jaguares. Is it eight? Um, is it eight? I mean, eight just feels like a lot, but you know. They did a tweet. That's the only reason. I, why would I know that off the top of my head, Alan? <laughs> there's obviously there's there's been something put out by the by the club. It's either seven or eight. Um, it was pictures, and I couldn't really name any of them, but. Domingo Miotti is joining. He's got one Argentinian cap, I believe, at fly half, but is very much um, seen as the next big cab off the rank in Argentinian rugby. Um, Matt, what do you make of this guy, and, and what does it mean for Glasgow's sort of um, Glasgow setup at ten for next season? I mean, I haven't seen him play a great deal. He's he's only had a handful of caps for the Jaguars, and as you said. Only one cap for for Argentina, and before that, a lot of under twenties caps. But from the from the bits I have seen him play, I've always quite liked him, and I think in Argentina he's seen as the the next standoff when Nicolas Sanchez uh, decides to pack it in. I think it's uh, it's actually a really exciting signing. I think that it is potentially a bit of an upgrade on Duncan Weir. Um, and I slightly I look at that we're signing now and do wonder whether at the time there was a bit of a panic around Glasgow having absolutely no signings it seemed, and then we're presented itself an opportunity. The opportunity presented itself probably at a time when the transfer market looked pretty dead, but now things have opened up. Glasgow are sort of it seems signing a bit of a higher quality player. So I'm actually really looking forward to seeing him him play. Um, pushing Weir and then hopefully sort of bringing on Ross Thompson a bit more. I guess potentially the issue with Miotti is he will be away also for the Autumn Internationals, but then potentially Rugby Championship if and when that, that's on, I would assume. Mm. Um, so I guess he, he is going to be someone who's going to be away for, at least part of the time during the season. So you probably don't want to just have Ross Thompson as your backup. I don't know. I kind of feel like him, Ware, and Ross Thompson might give you quite a sort of nice blend of kind of experience, youth, and then this kind of, you know, we think he's going to be good, but still a little bit of a sort of an un- unknown in this sort of Domingo Miotti. Um, but no, from the looks of it, he, you know, Haguarez obviously a good level, and then 
the only match I've ever seen him is when he came on against Australia and sort of slotted a couple of um, couple of goals. So I think it's pretty exciting signing, although it doesn't probably feel as exciting just because no one no one's really had that much exposure to him. I'm just reading the um, the press release. Um, I believe he's at um, the Western Force at the moment. Or he was at the Western Force, but now he's coming to Glasgow. And um, the eight Argentinians, um, he is the eighth, Francisco Lionelli, Bernardo Stortoni, Jose Pizek, Aramburi, Federico Aramburi, yeah. Piasek. Piasek, yeah. Uh, Pioretto. Pioretto, correct. There's two more, Matt. <laughs> Ooh, that German, what was that guy's name? I can't remember it now. German Aro, Aroaz or something like that. Oh, actually, never heard of him. And Gabriel Ascar, Ascarate. Again. Oh, uh, yeah. Hmm. I, th- I think um, he is, he's been playing at the Western Force. Um just because the Haguaris haven't been able to play any rugby whatsoever. So I think that Western Force yeah. have obviously been playing in the, in the Aussie Super Rugby. So it just gives them a chance to get a bit of game time. Well, there you go. Very exciting to see him um, coming over to Scotland at the beginning of next season. And there is rumours that he will be joined by a ninth Argentinian. Reports in Argentinian press, which we somehow picked up on. I can't remember how we managed to do that. But winger Sebastian Cancellieri is, it says in the Argentinian press that he has already signed for the Glasgow Warriors. Um, so we will see whether he does indeed arrive. Our tips on people like Cole Forbes were poo-pooed by the Glasgow press team when we put them to him, but that turned out to be true. So hopefully um, our sources in Argentina are um, as good as we hope they are. So we will keep an eye on that in the coming weeks. Um, there was also some signing um, signing news in Edinburgh with prop Luan de Bruyne joining from the Leicester Tigers, formerly of the Cheetahs. This is something that was rumoured for a wee while. But Alan, what do you think of Cocker's sort of adding just another little bit of heft to um, the Edinburgh side for next next campaign? Alan? Oh, I, I don't know anything about this person, so maybe best to put this to Matt. <laughs> Matt, that's all right. I should keep that in. That was quite good. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I probably don't think that many people know their cheetahs props inside out, but it's been trailed for a while, and I think he's been playing at Leicester as a sort of I don't know, like quite strange, like almost like bridging transfer, um, where he's played five games. I don't know how he's got on. I think that, um, so he is a tight head prop, so the number three position. And obviously with Bergen going away um, or moving down to, to Glasgow, Cockrell felt like he needed to strengthen. Um, and I, I think there's been some criticism around, like, you know, another, this narrative of Edinburgh just signing South African players you know, at the expense of maybe some of the young Scottish guys. But, Cockrell was asked about that in some press conference and, and made the point that actually the majority of the props on Edinburgh's books are Scots qualified and with Schumann qualifying now as well, although they play different sides of the scrum, likely to be away with Scotland. It, I can see how it, it makes sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know anything about props either. So I have um, very little to add. But there was also some interesting movement at Glasgow at the boardroom level. Um, Nathan Bombreeze has left as Glasgow's managing director to be replaced by club legend uh, Big Al Kellogg. Um, Matt, what did you make of that one? Is this jobs for the boys or has Al done enough to get the job? I mean, I, I love Al. Uh, and I think he's he's given a lot to Scottish rugby. But on the surface, it does look like jobs to the boys. Um, I mean, I suppose someone like Johnny Petrie was MD of Edinburgh with, with maybe not a whole amount of experience. But I, I think that Kellogg's relative lack of commercial experience is just laid bare compared to Bombris, who's been... Uh, doing these sort of roles for for many years at, across sort of different bits of the business and different sporting organisations. So, yeah, I I do kind of get the the accusation of jobs to the boys and the fact that he's been like an SRU ambassador. He's basically kind of like a bit of a almost spin doctor for the SRU. So, I I wonder if he'll just kind of do as he's told slightly at Glasgow. Maybe I'm being unfair. Alan, do you think he's Dodds, Dodson's man in Scotston? Yeah, well, I guess I. To be fair, I, I, I read when I read the SRU press release, I had probably assumed incorrectly that all Al Kellogg had been doing since he sort of retired was that sort of ambassadorial role and sort of being part of that business club. But what it, what I did say, and I, I genuinely didn't know this, was that for like the last year or so, he's been like the interim head of commercial for the SRU yeah. and he led on that um, Forsock deal that they did. And then I think they also, they were saying that he led and managed, uh, and they were obviously pushing this, I think in the press release that he, he'd led and managed that SP energy networks deal that sort of covered the Scottish woman. So I, I guess I, I'd originally sort of gone to that position of it's sort of jobs for the boys, but I guess, you know, ultimately, he he does have some sort of level of commercial experience and probably will go in with like a lot of goodwill from the fans who I think, you know, we sort of read a bit of the sort of Warriors Forum, etc. And it does feel like Glasgow have gone from like a really incredible position in terms of goodwill through to probably not in a particularly great place at, at, at the moment. You know, a lot of that is performance related. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting. I guess I'm never 100% clear how much is devolved to Glasgow and Edinburgh mm. and how much is done at an SRU yeah. level. You know, I, I obviously I'm sure majority of decisions have to go back to the SRU, but I'm never clear like how much kind of room those clubs have to kind of do their own thing. Like, you know, I'm sure, I don't know if Glasgow could do something like completely rogue on like ticket pricing or whether that's something that actually just has to all be managed at a sort of an SRU corporate level. I think so, I think the um, I was reading about this a little bit, and I think the MDs of both clubs report into the chief oper- or they did report into Don Mackay as chief operating officer. Whether that continues now that he's off to be the chief executive Celtic, or if there's going to be a slightly different reorganisation, but I mean they were both reporting into the SRU, which I suppose makes sense. But so I suppose yeah. they've probably got a little bit of leeway, but ultimately Murrayfield are always going to have sign off, right? Yeah, well, you know, I guess what maybe surprised me a little bit, and I, I 
I don't know, I, I've never fully probably understood sort of Nathan Bonfrey as like a character, especially just like within like Glasgow Warriors. But given what his experience with Sale Sharks and how long he's been at Glasgow, and you know, if you actually look at his record from where Glasgow have gone in the last sort of 10 mm. years, I think it's like fairly impressive. I would have probably assumed that with Don Mackay leaving and then wanting to get Al Kell up to Glasgow, it made sense for Nathan Bonfrey to take Don Mackay's role at the SRU. Yeah, that that's what I thought when the pre- when I was reading the press release initially. It seems like a natural progression. But, but no, then... Nathan <laughs> has been um, they've co- they've concocted an amazing new sounding new role for Nathan Bombries, who's the new head of international commercial projects. Um, which the second line says he will identify and develop the union's international commercial interests working alongside its partners at Pro 14, Old Glory, and EPCR, among others. Alan, is this just our first step seeing a Scottish franchise in Japan's top league? <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. It's, uh, no, I mean, it kind of feels like the sort of role you create when you kind of still like someone and want to keep them around, but you don't have anything for them to do. It's just like, we'll do something international. We're going to keep it like commercially focused and we're going to give you like set projects, HR, put a rule together. So yeah, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a strange one because it sort of picked out obviously your old glory, but then also kind of like pro four, pro 14, et cetera. So, but I don't know. It's, it's good. It will be interesting to see because I know, and, talking about the sort of the Don Mackay switch up because Don Mackay sat on the board of Pro 14 so I don't know if that means you know he'll be working yeah. alongside at that level will Nathan Bombries be stepping into that role for example that's like I guess that's what you'd probably expect from from that role um and I imagine just at some level sort of managing what was their old glory I think Stanley Soir is still a thing I actually have no idea um Nagasaki and then the Nagasaki. <laughs> Don't forget Nagasaki. Yeah, we're gonna part two of the of the tartan. It's gonna be the the, the next phase <laughs> for the development. Um, well, it'll be very interesting to see um, what Nathan gets up to, or whether we never hear from him ever again. Um, speaking of the business of rugby, we will just touch on the big news that came out today that the much um, talked about CV Seal private equity deal to buy a portion of the Six Nations was completed today. What does that mean for the SRU? Well, um, it means about 7.5 million quid up front with a potential for it to be worth around about 45 million in total should certain commercial targets be hit. Um Alan, this is something that you've been sort of following and certainly vocal amongst our group privately about. What's your view on, I guess, the CVC coming in and, and what impact it could have? Yeah, it's kind of an interesting one because I think, you know, it's been bubbling around for sort of 18 months. And I, I do feel like when it originally came out, the, the sort of general narrative was that it was going to be an even split. And obviously that's not been the case. They've they've kind of come to this agreement sort of based on audience that um, rather than everyone getting 61 million a country like Scotland or the SRU will get that sort of four, was it 44 45 million but the the RFU are getting 95 million so there is quite a big gulf you know more than double more than double um yeah. it's going to the RFU versus the SRU and then there's a couple of other things that I just thought was sort of relatively interesting so 
they're ruling obviously everything in. So this isn't just Six Nations, it's it's Autumn Internationals as well. And it's including the women's Six Nations. And then one thing that I, I hadn't quite realised is in the Pro 14 and the Premiership deals, so taking the Pro 14 deal as an example, CVC took a 28% stake. But actually in terms of control over the commercial decisions, they've got a 51% controlling interest. So in terms of Pro 14 commercial decisions going forward, CVC have complete control over the unions, which I hadn't actually fully appreciated. Um, however, the, the reason that's interesting is because what's happened with the Six Nations deal is CVC have bought, have bought a seventh, so 14.3%. But when it comes to commercial decisions, they only have a one-seventh say. So they're one hand out of seven. And I think so. It's it was possibly not the death knell for something like free-to-air sick nations, as some people might have suggested. Yeah, I mean, you'd think so. Obviously, you don't know what you don't know, right? Like, ultimately, you know, within the commercial agreements, potentially the the unions have sort of signed over some level of control to CVC. But based on the information we have, that doesn't appear to be the case. But, you know, you do see a lot of commentators online, like Tom English was saying today, is like, you have to assume this is the end of free to air, well, we'll actually know that there's just now one person out of seven potentially is keen for it to go on free on pay TV. If ultimately, if the other six don't want it to, from what information has been shared, they don't have to. <laughs> and ultimately, if they decide that they want to keep all matches on the BBC for the next ten years, the what well, it looks like CVC might be sour about it, but there's nothing they can do about it now. Obviously, there's there's different factors at play. I the general feeling you you get out of the unions and out of the, especially the Six Nations CEO who's been doing a bit of talking over the last week is that they are sort of using COVID and a bit of the CVC kind of noise. I think almost to kind of give them a bit of cover when it comes to the next broadcast deal, which is from 2021 onwards, and the the TV rights. So for the 15 games of the Six Nations they are cut up into three packages of five with one pack being the most exciting game and the bottom pack being the least exciting game games. And I think they're giving themselves enough cover at the moment to be able to kind of give either one or two of those packs away to a sky or a BT or an Amazon and really just have that line as like, look, you know, with COVID etc we've had to find a balance between pay tv and free to air kind of coverage etc and i and i generally think people will end up taking that as a and will be happy with that as an answer so you know i don't think the cvc deal changes anything but i still think it's likely that we're going to see some of the six nations behind a paywall next year very interesting indeed. Thanks very much for that, Anne. And, and the Welsh Rugby Union have been out the traps today saying that that money, this money will not be used to sort of plug holes um, that have been caused by COVID. It will be held over for sort of long-term strategic projects. I don't know if the SRU have said anything in particular detail about that, but Matt, if you're getting 45 million quid, some of the chat on Twitter is that that should be going straight into a third Scottish pro team what do you reckon look i i just i would go with what alan said you you don't know what you don't know it's true though you don't know what you don't know 
<laughs> like that's that is actually a fact. To be fair, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I suppose it it is right. <laughs> Just I thought that was very good. I thought that was a ve- that was a very well common phrase. With, with, no, is is the most common phrase not that there are unknown unknowns and known unknowns? Yeah, no, that is correct. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> sorry, I just thought it was quite good. Um, with that money, uh, I. I, I'm not holding my breath about that money being allocated towards a third pro team. Um, I don't think there's been any real sign of any appetite coming from the SRU, which on one hand is disappointing, but at the same time, I would like to think it just reflects the realities of how much money it would take to establish a, a third pro team. And as we talked about before, mm. like whether that is even practical and weighing that up against investing in the youth setup in the club game, um, getting new kilts for Nagasaki. Um, yeah, it's a lot. Like that, that's quite a big expense. So They're just giving 45 million quid to Nathan Bombries <laughs> and just be like, go shopping, mate. Just go and do some shit internationally. Head of special projects and kind of synergies. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I imagine it would just sort of be obviously reinvested back in the game, but but into the sort of traditional areas we'd, we'd expect, which isn't a very interesting answer, but it's probably the reality. Well, again, we will cert- we don't know what we don't know, and we will certainly see what Scottish rugby do when they make certain announcements on where that money might be spent. That is the end of the news section, so we can now get into the absolute meat and drink. Scotland versus Ireland on Sunday afternoon um alan just give me your sort of top line thoughts scotland versus ireland how are you feeling about it this weekend i think sort of coming into it fairly confident and then i have to sort of remind myself of how terrible a record we have Mm. against ireland i think obviously it's probably now just the one win in the last decade across something in around sort of 12 13 matches and I feel like it's been a sort of trend throughout this podcast, especially over the last three years, where I think we've come in quite confident into Scotland Island matches. And they've all sort of ran to the same tune. And I think we consistently see both on the pitch and and in sort of the press, it, it doesn't feel like those Irish players really feel like they don't. I think they go in feeling like they're going to win. And it's how it's always been. And I'm, I've gone from sort of sort of cautious optimism at the start of the week to sort of inherent pessimism now. Well, um, Paul O'Connell, Scott, uh, Ireland's um, forwards coach, says that this um, is the best Scottish team and they're an excellent side with an awful lot of X-factor players. Matt, are you in the same sort of space as big Paul O'Connell or are you sharing Alan's scepticism? Yeah, I saw that and it was quite close to another article on the BBC sort of column by Rory Best saying how highly he rates Finn Russell and I, I don't know if there's some sort of Irish strategy of talking Scotland up because as Alan said in recent years we've maybe gone into games against Ireland with a reasonably high degree of confidence and and obviously not not one um I, I'm 
part of me thinks that this Irish team is Irish team is really beatable. Like I don't think that they've performed particularly well, um, apart from maybe that Italy game, but that's only Italy. And I, I, I sort of look at their team and, and I think in quite a few areas, Scotland have the edge. Um, I think maybe in, in sort of fullback and, and I think Duhan, um, I think that obviously Sexton has got a very good very good record against Scotland, but I would say Russell's playing better than him at the moment. I think our back row as well um, and probably an improved front five, like we should have enough to beat them. But Ireland, to be fair to them, have done a very good job of just suffocating the life out of Scotland in recent matches and and not allowing the likes of of Hogg and Russell, Russell in particular probably, to get on the front foot and and dominate and dictate the game. So, you know, I, I, I think that this Scotland team will feel like they definitely can win the game. But I think at the same time, you have to balance out the fact that Ireland have, have done a very good job of, of beating Scotland um, and doing so reasonably comfortably in recent matches. And we're recording on Thursday evening. The team will be officially announced um, tomorrow lunchtime, although we understand that it will look like uh, Roy Sutherland, uh, George Turner and WP now coming in um, for the band Xander Fagerson. The stalwarts in the second row, Scott Cummings and Johnny Gray, with the back row of Watson, Fagerson and Ritchie. Um, Price and Russell, of course, um, with Sam Johnson returning from injury into the 12 jersey, taking that off from James Lang, who starts against Wales, partnering the ever-present Chris Harris. And slight um, interesting point in the back three, Doohan, of course, on one wing, Sean Maitland coming in for Darcy Graham on the other, and Stuart Hogg at fullback. Alan, are you surprised to see Sam Johnson coming straight in at 12? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I was was a little bit surprised. Um, Obviously, I was hoping potentially that sort of Cam... Cam Redpath would be we back in the team. Obviously, he's he's still be injured, and I guess Sam Johnson has been had a few games for Glasgow in the last few weeks. Probably hasn't looked his sort of you know previous sort of 2018, 2019 best. You know he was he was yellow carded against Zebra, and I actually think when you look at the back line over the last sort of two weeks, you know it's very much been Hugh Jones and potentially sort of Rufus McLean who have been been the standouts. But I do think, you know, for all of that, 
I think Sam Johnson still has a lot of a lot of credit in the bank with with Tooney, and potentially with you know James Lang, sort of only being able to you know he's been okay, but he's not sort of brought too much. You know Duncan Taylor lost to the Cornish Pirates at the weekend. Potentially, I don't know whether Sam Johnson they wanted someone who can just really hit the line hard and um, and try and get some front foot ball for this team. That, that's the point I was going to make. That we we talked about it before. James Lang has presumably been brought in as a second distributor, and probably in a similar way that that Redpath did a bit uh, against England. But for whatever reasons, it's it's not quite worked. Um, so I, I'd almost rather see Sam Johnson brought in as a bit more of a physical presence in both defence and attack. Um, and someone who maybe is going to take the game a bit more to to Ireland and can maybe front up a bit more physically because I think that's what you know we we have to get that right if we're going to uh, have a chance of winning the game. Absolutely, and another man uh, you mentioned, Duncan Taylor, lost to the Cornish Pirates. Also, Sean Maitland lost to the Cornish Pirates. As we understand it, he's going to be starting ahead of. Darcy Graham, who obviously scored um, against Wales. Alan, if that does come to pass, what do you think the thinking uh, in Tooney's mind is on that one? Uh, I mean, ultimately, I just, again, we always say it. When has Sean Maitland played badly for Scotland? And, you know, if he's going up against probably a, a low, I would, I would imagine... Or in yeah, I'm, all, I'm always trying James to remember did. my sides of the wings, but I can never quite get it. But I think he'd be up against Lowe. Quite James Lowe's quite good in the air. Really, like probably, um, like powerful runner. I just wonder, especially in sort of defence, they potentially trust Sean Maitland and not a lot more to be able to nullify both kind of Sexton putting kicks up, but also just low low being able to potentially. And I appreciate that Darcy Graham isn't someone who gets completely sort of thrown around. But uh, but Maitland is a better defender. I think it's the defensive kicking game as well that we know how good Maitland is under the high ball, and doubtless Conor Murray and Sexton are are going to be kicking a lot. So it it almost feels like a bit of a horses for courses selection, and and maybe if you think back to the last time we played Ireland, Darcy Graham's, you know relative lack of size and just height under the high ball was was slightly exploited by Ireland so I, I can definitely see the the logic for putting him in there I think it's a great position where you know ultimately it doesn't matter if it's Maitland Duhan or Darcy I think we're all pretty pretty like they all bring something very different but they're all very strong wing options at the same time Absolutely. And I find it funny listening to, I don't know if anyone listened to that Rugby Pass interview with Finn um, and Ryan Wilson. It's quite a a good podcast. We put it on the Twitter feed. Um, And Finn talked about Duhan's first words for him, which were, give me the ball and I will sprint. Which actually, (laughs) to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite like Ivan Drago. It's quite like, look, (laughs) I I don't speak a lot. My English isn't fantastic, but this is what I do. And that is what Duhan does. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, keep ultimately, it, keep we, it we simple. Just, we just want Duhan running off Russell's shoulder mm. all day. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, it was interesting that I always think you know we love I, I we you know we do love Finn Russell on this on this podcast, but there's something about Finn Russell. I think there must be so many like semi-pro or like championship rugby players who like <laughs> treat their bodies like temples, don't go out very much, and they must just listen to Finn Russell chatting about him like, oh yeah, I was like super hungover when I got the call from the Babas and I had to like, I couldn't decide if I wanted to go because I felt so shit, but then I decided to go and I ate like loads of pizza and then beers and then went and like killed England to Twickenham. And they must be just like, this is so unfair. Yeah. <laughs> like ultimately, you know, I Finn Russell does a lot of good things, but he is not like the model athlete off the pitch. He isn't Johnny Wilkinson. He will go out He'll probably eat a lot what he wants, and that's what works for him, right? Mm. Yeah, because <laughs> like, as we and as we said, whenever this debate rears its head, which it often does, you know, Finn still chucks his body around. Like even though he probably doesn't go to the gym and do like a million squats or lift a hundred and fifty kgs in the bench press, mm. defensively he absolutely bangs blokes. Like, he really hits people hard. I, 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 I don't. Yeah. I that I don't understand either. I also think that his 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 fitness must be great. Like may, maybe if he did a bronco or something, he wouldn't score as highly as, as some other people who are more traditionally conditioned. But you you never worry about that. You never look sluggish on the pitch. Like he's sharp as anything. So he's he's a bit of a a kind of a, a wonder. And I think, you know, like talking about he wasn't coy about saying you know the 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 best thing about the casino in Glasgow was that it was open till 6am. And, and, he, and he'd, said, he'd said before that, that towards the end of his time at Glasgow, he was going out every single weekend. So just picture him in the, uh, what's it called, the Corinthian until like 6am. Like, it's it's mad. But on a kind of more serious note, I think that um, obviously on on that podcast, Zebo in particular was really talking up his Lions chances. And I think he, he's yeah. right in most senses. But I think actually coming up against Sexton at the weekend, if he can lead Scotland to victory and outplay Sexton, then I, I kind of feel like that's that would be a a, yeah. a a line in the sand that would definitely get him on the plane and make Gatland sort of think, yeah, this guy could could potentially start in a test. Well, yeah, I think it would back up the, obviously, that similar setup that we had against England, where it was, you know, can Finn overcome Farrell and lead Scotland to victory, which he kind of did. Little blip against Wales, but then um, if he can do that against Sexton, it will be, yeah, I think I think his place on the plane is pretty, is pretty set, but it's the 10 jersey that, that we want. Um, the only I other change... I feel like the Hog Lions captain chats not starting to get like a little bit almost just because the other candidates are sort of playing themselves out a little bit and people seem to be like oh well actually he's the only candidate that's guaranteed a place i don't think he will get picked but um i i do feel like his name's kind of getting talked up just a little bit more and more in those sort of conversations i think it's just a reflection of his form in this tournament and i suppose everyone is sort of lasered in on maru atoji after his last couple of performances. And I still think everyone's like, Alan Wynne-Jones is amazing, but he is still, you know, 35 or 36, however old he is. Like, is it a step too far to make him captain of the Lions at that age? 
it's I think with Win Jones as well, it's almost like you know if if a Toji was playing a hundred percent, um, you know even if like a, a Launchbury or a James Ryan was playing a hundred percent, then purely from a playing perspective, yeah, you'd probably put them in ahead of Win Jones, but he obviously is playing extremely well at the moment, and his leadership is you know this, his strength leadership is is undeniable, second to none. Um, well, we've strayed onto the lines there, but uh, the other change in the Scotland Scotland lineup we, that we expect to be announced tomorrow is um, WP now starting in place of Xander Fagerson. Obviously, not going to lose too much at scrum time there, but I suppose the downside of that is that we lose sort of Xander's destructive carry, carrying. Do you think that could be a factor against Ireland at the weekend, Alan? <laughs> Potentially, but then at the same time, I think you've got a lot of carriers in that pack. You know, all of the back three are like pretty comfortable on the ball. Turner is very comfortable sort of taking the ball to the line, even sort of the wide channels. And then I think Gray and Cummings are both sort of improved, especially in the last 12 months. So it's always good to have like a couple of those donkeys that you just like don't want to <laughs> give the ball to. Who just You like, can't say WP now's a donkey. Come on. He's a legend. He is a legend. But literally, I bet you no one wants him with his hands on the ball on Sunday. You want him to scrum and you want him to hit as many rocks as he physically can for 55 minutes. There is that amazing try he scored for Edinburgh, though, where he like canters in from like just outside the 22, which is pretty awesome. Sort of got that was a fair few years ago. (laughs) Yeah, he got on the outside of like the second, sorry, the slowest player in the Pro 14. Everyone's like, bloody hell, Nell. He is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that WP Nell was just going to be such a hate figure for you, Alan. I love Nell. And I like a man who like knows their job on the pitch. There's nothing worse than an absolute donkey who wants to get their hands on the ball 24-7. <laughs> I like it when someone accepts that they're not very good when it comes to the ball handling side of the game and just, you know, sets their position and does the job that, you know, people don't want to do. That's a very valuable job. So, no, I, I am WPNL's number one fan in Scotland. Someone um, I was reading today, I can't remember where exactly, I think it was on Rugby Pass, but someone's done sort of updated odds for the Lions tour um, by by player. And and WPNL, was, he's in the conversation. The bookies have, are, are considering him purely for his scrummaging ability. Get him on the tour. I like it. I wonder if he, you know, there is a chance that he played against the Lions back in um, back in 2000, That's a very good point. He yeah. might be the second, he could potentially be the second player because Flutie's the one that's played against and for, isn't he? Because he played yeah, the, yeah. the Maori in 05. Exactly. Um, no. The dark, the dark horse for the Lions. Very well, interesting to see I, that. I, I know we shouldn't go on about the lines sort of too much, but I do think it's sort of an interesting, especially with some of the sort of Scotland players in the team, because it feels like Watson in the sort of first two matches has almost played himself into a place where I think it's now more likely rather than less likely that he's going to hmm. get in the line squad. Yeah. Agreed. Whereas Richie with the autumn internationals and then first game against England where he, you know, for him and actually versus probably the rest of the pack, he had a pretty quiet game. He obviously was injured for the Wales game. It feels like he is someone that really needs to have a kind of man of the match. Like, 
I'm I'm back sort of performance. Yeah. If he just wants to kind of even be seen in that sort of like crowd of like amazing back row players that there is across the whole of like UK and Ireland, right? So a um a, a quick Google reveals that VP now was in the squad for the Cheetahs game against Lions in two thousand nine, but he didn't get off the bench. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems as if also um there is a T. De Bruyne listed. So I can only think that was um, Conor De Bruyne's mum, Tammy, was playing Tammy De Bruyne. Which is, uh, I didn't, I'd never noticed that before. That is a hell of an achievement. As well as being our South African, our occasional South African correspondent, Tammy De Bruyne actually played against the Lions as well. Wow. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tammy, for your service. Um, we were talking earlier on WhatsApp um, about the sort of the standard way that Scotland Ireland games have gone in the last five years, close until half time, and then Ireland sort of pulling away and then posting that sort of seven to 12 point victory against Scotland. Matt, what do you think Scotland have got to do to avoid that sort of particularly devastating trend? I, I, I don't know if it's anything sort of special or particular. Um, I think that where Scotland has struggled against Ireland in, in those sort of games is probably a lot around the tactical kicking, um, trying to play a bit too much from their own half, from their own territory. Um, and also, if you think back to that last game, for the first sort of like 30, 35 minutes, Scotland were very on top. And this has become a bit of a common trend, I suppose, but that inability to... Um, convert dominance into points and I wonder if after both the England and Wales games um, Townsend will have had a word with the squad and said you know look if we do have a chance for three points even if it seems like a bit of a difficult kick you know we we have to take those those chances Um, and I, I think if they can do that whilst you know playing some of the same rugby that they have done in the past two games then they, they should be in a decent shot. All right, so there you go. There's Matt's game plan for how Scotland can beat Ireland can be summed up actually by an awful lot of the tweets we get sent every game day it is take the bloody points. Alan, I'm going to come to you first for two things. I'm going to ask you for your prediction and I'm going to ask you for what is now going to become a, f- a feature of this podcast. It's your outside bet. Now, people are following you as the betting oracle after things like... Scott Cummings to score first and Dave Cherry to score last. Have you got a little sort of outside bet for everybody to get excited about this week? Um, I do. I was thinking about a few bets and I'm going to obviously wait for the Ireland team. I think Keith Earls to score at any time is like a no brainer. He just like annoyingly <laughs> does score against Scotland and like, yeah, you, ha- you have to put your money on him, even though what, I really, what are the odds him. for that? I don't. Well, they haven't released the odds because the team oh, hasn't come yeah. out yet. Um, but my uh, my my other one was um, I'm going to go for a first try. Finney Ross. Oh, nice! Uh, that's right. It's. Uh, I'm thinking it's going to be like the classic, like interception off ten. And he's going to make t- do the length, Ooh. sort of fifteen twenty minutes in. That would be great. So remember, he did it against Ireland, what, 20, 2019, mm. but he got caught and mm. popped up to Sam Johnson. Mm. Um, and he hasn't yeah. sort of done something, and he obviously did it against England as well with Farrell. But he hasn't sort of done I was at, something. I was, at, I was at that game. 
Well, the island sort game. of the island game was like in front of my section. It was great. Me and Matt watched it in a Norfolk rugby clubhouse. Very weird vibe. <laughs> On that stag do. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> weird. Uh, weird um, stag do that. But yeah, um, uh, but so after Finn has made his interception and scored the first try of the game, what do you think? The uh, what's your prediction for the final score? I I mean, you know, my 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 heart says Scotland by three, but my head says it's a sort of Ireland by eight win. I just still think that Ireland, you know, ultimately you just got to look at the Pro 14 table and I appreciate Scotland. I've got quite a few players from outside Pro 14, but you just look at the domination and I think that those Ireland players still just have a sort of mental edge over a lot of those Scottish players. So I'm going to go for Ireland by eight. Ireland by eight. Matt, can you give me something a little bit more positive than that dour prediction from uh, from Alan? Well, I, I was thinking about this today. So far, my predictions in the Six Nations have been completely wrong because I thought that we would lose to England and that we would beat Wales comfortably. So I'll say that Ireland will win by seven in the hope that that doesn't come true. <laughs> I d- like I, I, I generally think that if if this Scotland team can't beat Ireland, um, you know we've got pretty much full strength absent maybe Cam Redpath and and Fagerson, but I, I don't think they're good enough excuses. It's not like we're missing Russell or Hogg or Gray or or any of that back row. Um, you know I think it's a really good chance to to beat them. And as I say, if we can't beat them then like it's very much back to the to the drawing board so i think it's a really good chance for for scotland to show how much they've they've improved absolutely and i i am personally hitching myself to the hype train i think the performance against england and then the sort of the signs of the performance particularly when we got ourselves into that really strong lead against wales before you know that sort of self implosion, that sort of middle 20 minutes where we really fucked ourselves. I think we're going to learn from that. And I think we're going to beat Ireland um, by five. I'm feeling good about that. So those are our predictions. And we will of course be back next week to talk about them. But Alan, do you want to take us, take us into our six nations weekend with a little bit of a quiz? Uh, Yeah. I mean, obviously this is the same quiz that we were going to do last week until, uh, your order of ramen came uh, came to the door, and you you made me made us cut the pod short. I was celebrating the um, success of the SRU's Japanese scout <laughs> and the and the Nagasaki partnership. So is, I don't I don't make any excuses for that. <laughs> that is very fair. Uh, I don't know why, but I sort of had like a spare um, thirty minutes, so decided to look. And started looking at people who debuted on a Tune, but it didn't seem very interesting. So what I did do instead is I actually looked at four interesting positions and have looked at the whole course of Tune being coach, everyone who has started a match in that position. Oh, God. So number eight, standoff, inside centre, and then fullback. Um, and we can go through two, and if we get bored, we can just pan the rest. But we can start. Okay. So there's eight people who have started number eight for Scotland under Gregor Townsend. Dave, we'll start with you, and we'll just go, go back and forth. 
In my traditional set, I'll, I'll go with the incumbent, Matt Fagerson. Matt Fagerson has eight starts under Tooney. Um, Ryan Wilson. Ryan Wilson has the most, actually, with, really? with 12. Yeah. At, at number eight? At number eight, he has wow. 12 starts. Um, Nick Haining. Haining has two, Ireland and France, last year in the Six Nations. Dupree? Yeah, Dupree has two. Um, John Barkley? Uh, uh, no, nothing, nothing for Barkley. What you got, Matt? Um... Strauss? Yeah, Strauss. Strauss sort of came back in around sort of just sort of maybe 2018, 2019. So he's got, he's actually got seven, which is actually more than I thought he would have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've now got, you've got three left. You've got one who's very recent, one who only got caps in 2018. And then the other person was sort of for a very short period of time in 2019, sort of the the go to, sort of go to man. Um, Blade Thompson. Blade Thompson is the recent one. He's got six. Six starts at eight? Yeah. Really? I wouldn't have had it that that many. Yeah, yeah. You sure about these stats? (laughs) 100%. Wikipedia's finest. Yeah, can't challenge you on that, so... (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Look, you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) Um, Bradbury? Yes, Bradbury's got three. Obviously, England 2019 is the big one. Mm. Um, and yes, it was one other person that started number eight. And I'll tell you, I'll give you some information. And it's it's now just both shut out when you can. They've had two, one against Canada. They, they, this, the summer tour to North America and South America, they started mm. at number eight against Canada and Argentina. Um, that bloke who's now playing in the championship. Is he my mortal enemy? Oh, oh, Dave, uh, Dave Denton. Denton. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of um, Luke Hamilton for some reason. Uh, so, yeah, I'll give you... Dent Weezy. Dent Weezy had two starts right at the start in 2018 on that. Um, remember that Argentina 2018 game where like they were literally like 28 nil up after like 20 yeah. minutes? It was like, yeah, yeah, was yeah. It was that was when like George Horn was carving up. On a, unreal. So... For all, moving into fly half, we'll start with you, Matt. We've got six people have played at 10 for Scotland under Tooney. Who have you got? Uh, Finn. Finn. So how many games? 25, 26, 39, 41. 42 games in total, and Finn has played 23 of those. Why? Started, sorry. Who you got, Dave? Adam Hastings. And the next off the rank is 13. And then no one else has played more than two games at 10 for Scotland. Uh, Duncan Weir. Duncan Weir has who from the Autumn International? Um, oh, I'm really struggling here for some reason. I'll say James Lang. I don't think it's right. No. Matt, you got anyone else? Uh, Rue Jackson. Oh, for Christ's sake. Rory Jackson has started one game at 10 
under Tooney, and it was also that Canada 2018 game. I think Lang might have been playing 12 for that game. Yeah, I think he was. That was, well. that was Lang's um, debut, maybe. Because I think Hastings started the one where we lost. He did when we lost to USA. Um, mm. And then I think didn't like George Turner or someone get like or Grant Gilchrist get like a hat trick against Turner. Canada. Turner got a hat trick. Yeah. 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 Uh, Dave, anyone else? Two left. No, my mind's gone blank. Someone very uh, yeah, recently. Yako. <laughs> oh, sorry. Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah, Yako. And then anyone got the last one? Um, hold on. Give us a clue. Yeah, give they us a started clue. at 10 in Fiji for the Fiji match in 2017, which I think was actually, I don't know if it was when we played away and lost or whether we played yeah. home. Maybe it was away. And then they also started at 10 against France in 2019. Peter Horn. Peter uh, Horn. Of course. So there you go. Well, I think let's call that a comprehensive victory for, for Matt and save 12 and fullback for uh, for another day. <laughs> oh, I, was quite, to... I, was quite, I was quite enjoying that, actually. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want to be a cliche, but I actually do have more ramen arriving. It's become a, it, ha, it has become a bit of a tradition in the household. <laughs> well, Fair enough. Genuinely, it's a, it's a thing now. I do the podcast and then I have ramen. So I've actually the, maybe the, the food arrive as well. The SR the SRU's um, they're getting to me. The Japanese influence of the SRU's gotten to me. <laughs> Fair, but right. um, twelve and fifty. We're gonna have to update it, obviously, for uh, depending on you know what gets announced. But you know we'll do what it. What gets week. announced. Yeah, so um, the Scotland team will be announced at lunchtime tomorrow. So keep an eye on our social channels. Um, for our take on the squad, that's Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod. On Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. Um, we will then be live tweeting during the game as well. So keep in touch with us there on Sunday. And we'll be doing a newsletter, which will be in your inboxes on m- early next week. That's on Substack, Thistle Scottish Rugby Pod. On there, you can subscribe and get us into your inbox every weekend. There's also two pro games this weekend, but we don't really have time to talk about them. Um, Edinburgh playing against Connor and Glasgow playing against the Ospreys. But as I say, we will be back next week to look at all of that. In the meantime, have a good one. Cheers. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.